You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out. Uh, my name's Big Honk and Steve. I'm glad to be along with you. This is episode 48 as we trounce along, trump along, trot along, plot along, run along, hop along, skip along, come along. That should be a song. Oh, and all that all rhymed. Oh, my goodness. Um, but what was I saying? Welcome to Geek Out Loud. Glad to have you along with us. Really quickly, let's get business out of the way. You can get in touch with me by emailing me at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, go check out the blog. You know what? I'm not even going to promise to work on updating the blog. I'm just going to say that every now and again, there'll be a neat new post. And you can read it, and you can agree with it. Most recently, there was a big discussion over at geekoutonline.com about the, uh, the, the Firefly series slash Serenity movie um, as created and eventually written and directed by uh, Joss Whedon. Um, and I watched it, and I liked it, and I had some things to say about it that some people weren't happy with, and we got into some great discussion over at geekoutonline.com and on our Facebook page at Facebook. Uh, dot com forward slash geek out loud and and so you know jump in on stuff like that you got an opinion i actually put out their farscape anyone watched it on the geek out loud uh, facebook page had like 18 replies telling me yay or nay and and it's always cool that's the kind of stuff that i love about this show and about you the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe um is the is the interaction and the willingness to share opinions and that sort of thing without flaming one another you know, no one got mad. No one got ticked off when I when I kind of trod on the uh, trod. There's that word again. When I kind of um, stepped on the toes a little bit of the fans of Joss Whedon and the Whedon verse. You know, we had some good discussion, and no one no one told anyone they suck, and no one told anyone how much they were stupid and and ignorant. No, you know, there wasn't even any passive aggressiveness that way. It was just here's my thoughts. Here's my thoughts. Well, here's my thoughts. And um, back and forth, it was some good discussion. And so, well, I take that back. There was one guy who called Joss Whedon a hack. And Dave Jones, you know who you are. Um, oh, did I say that out loud? Shoot. Anyhow, uh, so glad to be along with you for this, the 48th episode 
of Geek Out Loud. Now, here's the thing. We're going to jump into some email in just a second. Uh, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and say I realize that maybe some of you might be getting burnt out on Geek Out Loud Star Wars. And for that, I just want to go ahead and apologize and, and let you know that, um, you know, uh, we'll talk about other things soon. I'm still on a Star Wars high. I'm a week removed at this point from having been at Star Wars Celebration 5, and what a great time it was. I got to tell you, never thought that I would be so sad to leave Orlando, Florida. I had a blast. It was such a good time. And there are so many people to give shout-outs to. Um, as far as it just made that a good time right off the bat, uh, Chris and, um, and Jamie from Florida come to mind. We had a great time with those guys got to go out and eat with them one night and just super people, super duper people that we had so much in common and had such a good time. They're people that I wish they lived here so I could hang out with them on a regular basis and corrupt their children because that's exactly what I would do. Um, then, uh, of course, Jason Swank, Jimmy Mack from the Force Cast, those guys. You know, you know, I don't mind telling you here in a public forum uh, that, oh, man, um, I always got the sense that, you know, Jimmy Mack was really keen on Big Honk and Steve, that Jimmy Mack was Big Honk and Steve's big fan, and that any time I made it to a Clone Wars roundtable, that sort of thing, it was Jimmy Mack saying, Jason, we got to have this guy on. This guy's great. Um, and so it was that when I went to the Forcecast booth at Celebration 5 to, to meet those guys, um, Jason was having some problems with the computer. He was having some issues. And so I had my big box of stuff, and, and I had it with me in the vehicle at the time. And so I, if it were just a cord or something, I was going to see if I could help. And so I said, uh, well, what's the problem? Without introducing myself, whatever, he's looking down. I said, what's the problem? Do you need a new cord or something? Because I've got some cords with me. I might be able to help you out. And he just stopped what he was doing. He looked up, and he's like, uh, Big Honk and Steve? And I'm like, what? And, <laughs> and so we met, and Jason gave me the biggest hug uh, from a little guy that I've ever gotten, and it was just so cool. Um, and I told him, I said, dude, I, I didn't think you really liked me. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And we had, had a blast. And I didn't get to hang out with those guys as much as I would have liked to. I mean, they were just really cool, personable guys, but they were so busy. No downtime, as Jimmy Mack says. No downtime there for them. But they made, I mean, it was just great to get to spend some time with them. I, I got to come on. I closed out their live coverage of Celebration, their day three live coverage. They closed their live coverage with Big Honk and Steve. And I got to tell you, it was the day of the main event with George Lucas and Jon Stewart. And um, I don't mind telling you, I was so tired. I was a little delirious, and I'd forgotten most of what I said. And when I went back and listened to it, I'm like, wow. That's, uh, that's a big honk and Steve Rawl. But, um, so check that out over at forcecast.net, and, uh, and you can hear me there. You can hear those guys. They, they've got the best Star Wars. <clears throat> well, yeah, I'll say that. I'll say that because I'm not going to offend Michael Cohen, who I'm about to talk about right now. They've got the best comprehensive Star Wars podcast on the Internet. And by, I mean, and by comprehensive, I mean they report on everything Star Wars. You want to talk about collecting, they get the collecting. They talk about the EU. They talk about the movies. They talk about the news. They talk about the Clone Wars. They talk about it all. Now, if you want to talk about specific um, Star Wars podcasting, the best one on the net as far as a specific topic goes has to be the Clone Wars. And that's not to take anything away from those guys in the Unknown Region or Jesse over at Star Wars Book Report. It's just to say that the, the, the Clone Wars podcast, 
Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. You can find them at clonewarspodcast.com. I mean, these are guys that are passionate about the the animated series, the Clone Wars. And so, and and here's the thing: one of the first people I hung out with when I got there, Michael Cohen. Uh, Michael Cohen and I had a blast at Celebration Five, along with JC. Uh, who is a member of the 501st from up in New Hampshire, J.C. from N.H., as they say. And, uh, and J.C. and his girlfriend, Amanda, who became my new BFF, we had a blast. We just had an absolute ball. It was a great time with those guys, and I so greatly appreciate them uh, just, you know, hanging out with me, and, and, and we just had a good time, and it was so fun to meet people. There were so many of you that I met and and laughed with and had a had a blast with Dan and his sister Abby were there and what a good time the, we all had with them. They, Abby was there. She's not a big Star Wars fan. She likes animals. That's her thing, animals. And so, but you know what she was doing? She was being the good sister. And there was one at one point I saw her way back in the line for Mark Hamill holding her brother's spot while he was off doing other things. And how cool is that? So you know, but we got to hang with those guys. It was great. Um, uh, S.W. Mike, I, 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 did, I never called Mike's last name, but we hung out at the Force.net party, sitting on the back wall, tripping out, hanging out, and, uh, and, and just talking to people as they pass by. And, uh, and then I've got to give a shout-out to Steve Mitchell, uh, Big Mike, and Hyper. Uh, these guys are guys from Michigan. They're part of the Great Lakes 501st. And what a blast we ended up having with those guys. That night at the Forest.net party, we just, the, the, the four, the five, six, seven of us, uh, that'd be Steve, Mike, Hyper, uh, SW Mike, Dan, and Abby, stood around and just tripped out. Uh, you know, once I got there and I didn't know anybody there at the party, and I just kind of was moseying around and meandering about, you know, doing my thing. And, and Mike and I struck up a conversation, struck up a conversation with a couple of other people. Um, but Mike and I struck up a conversation, and we began to just trip out on some things and just have a blast together. And then uh, Steve and his crew walked in with Hyper and Big Mike. They walked in, and, and, the, and the hits just kept on coming. And uh, so it was really such a good time at Celebration 5, and it, and it was a good time not just because George Lucas and the main event, the Blu-ray releases and all that announced and everything, which, by the way, I love that on Twitter – as that news got out online, uh, I started getting Twitter updates and, and that sort of thing. At Big Honkin', did you know the Blu-rays are coming out? At Big Honkin', guess what? Blu-rays are coming out. I'm like, I was there in the theater. Um, so, But it was so cool to be there with that. But what made it was the people. And then I've got to give the biggest shout-out of all uh, to Dave Atterbury, his brother Daniel, and, and their friend Mike. A lot of mics at old Celebration 3. A lot of mics there. And um, I got to give a shout-out to those guys because Dave is the reason I was able to go to Celebration 5. Dave's gave, Dave got in touch with me, said, hey, let's hang out, let's do this thing, um, let's make it happen, Big Honk and Steve, let's do this. And I said, all right, let's do this. And we did. And, uh, and, and Dave put a shelter over my head that weekend, and, uh, and we coordinated getting back and forth between where we were staying in the convention center and everything, and... And just, 
Salt of the earth, great guy, is Dave Atterbury. And I got news for you. If I ever hear anyone say anything bad about him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the wrath of Big Honk and Steve. That's how cool this guy was. Um, his brother, one of the smiliest guys you'd ever meet in your life. Daniel always smiling, and, and he, just, he was just happy to be there. And then there was Mike, Mike who we called Bill. And what was funny about it is, is, is we were just kind of – we got past the feeling each other out, not feeling each other up, but feeling each other out stage really quickly – and just started to kind of dig and prod at each other to see who could push each other's buttons the most, like guys do. And, uh, and I just looked over at Mike and called him Bill, and he responded. He responded immediately like it was no big deal. So I just started calling him Bill, and that began to just kind of dig at him. So then he told me that Dragon Ball Z was better than Transformers, and I had to throw him off the balcony. So uh, let's have a moment of silence for Mike Bill. I'm kidding. He's still with us, and he's a great guy, and those guys were just spectacular to hang out with, and so big shout-outs to all you guys, and if I'm missing anyone, I'm so sorry. There were so many of you that I met. Jedi Schwa from from the TFN forums. Uh, Dan Curto and I got to sit down and have a long conversation. Mandy and Eric uh, from the Forcecast uh, who work behind the scenes to do so much. Mandy's a blogger over at theforce.net. Um, uh, Shaz Bazaar, uh, got to meet him, you know, all kinds of different, and there were so many others. The the Mason family, uh, who we were standing in line the first day, and and, uh, and and about two people behind me in line, I heard, are you Big Honk and Steve? And I turned around, I'm like, yeah, and he and his wife were like, we listen to you on the way here, and, and it was just such a neat thing, and it was so cool to meet so many people and spend time with Star Wars fans, and it really was. It was just a big celebration of, of Star Wars. It is what it says it is. It was Star Wars celebration, and we had a blast. So unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to hear about that for a little bit more. Uh, if, you're t- if you're burning out on Star Wars, I'm not going to talk much about it. I'll talk a little bit more about it on this episode. We've got something special on this episode coming down the pipe after the emails. Uh, but then the next episode... Uh, which I know will be far removed from Celebration 5. I hope to get some of these guys that were with us at C5 on the podcast. I'm over at the Clone Wars podcast front lines uh, at clonewarspodcast.com. Their latest episode is up, episode 50. It's interesting. They've been going for a year less than I have, and um, they've they've beat me to episode 50. That's fine. That's fine. Um, But... uh, But uh, but those guys over there, I was I was on with Mike and uh, Matt and JC, and we talked about our Celebration Five experience. So check that out; it was a good time uh, talking to those guys and reminiscing. We'll do a little bit about a little bit of that on this show uh, eventually. Today, though, we've got some special stuff for you. Jesse Colbert over at StarWarsBookReport.com. Now, if you're a reader, if you enjoy reading, and I know some of you are into the audiobooks and that sort of thing. Can I suggest to you Star Wars audiobooks um, and, and, and start? I always tell people, start where I started with, with the book. Start with the Zahn trilogy. Start with uh, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and um, The Last Command. It's a great trilogy. It feels like Star Wars. Um, if you're into more horror-type stuff, uh, do Death Troopers. Death Troopers is a great kind of Star Wars zombie mashup. And, um, and, and I've heard very little negative about it. I'm not finished with it, but I've heard so little negative about it that, uh, that what I have listened to, I've enjoyed. I'm just not into that genre that much, so, um, so it hasn't been a go back and pick it up. But everyone else seems to love it. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, check that out. If you're into the audiobook stuff, if you've got commutes and, and long trips and that sort of thing, get into it. Jesse 
focuses in on the novels over at his uh, blog, uh, StarWarsBookReport.com, and he doesn't necessarily do like reviews. He does reviews, but he just kind of talks about what he loves about the novels that he's read in the Expanded Universe. And he brings up different points about things. One point that we talk about on this episode that will cross over into his podcast at StarWarsBookReport.com um, is an issue we'll talk, you'll hear us talk about in a little bit that actually someone cleared up for me at Celebration 5. So, you know, Jesse and I are both going to have egg on our face when it's all said and done. But that's fun. That's fun. I've had egg on my face before after eating an Egg McMuffin. Um, that was the sound of me eating an Egg McMuffin. I don't, what is that? What is that about? Um, anywho, I, I say all that to say we've got a good show for you in store. Uh, Jesse and I talking uh, all things Star Wars novels, uh, particularly concerning an event in the Darkness trilogy. But we'll talk about that as we get to it. Right now, though, let's jump into some emails. Pull the curtain back for you a little bit. Um, something has happened. I disconnected all my stuff to take to Florida with me uh, to try to get some podcasting done while I was down there. It didn't happen from C5. Um, coming back, I've hooked everything back up, and um, my sound's not working right. I'm only getting one channel of sound, and that's really distracting me because uh, though I've tried everything I know to try to fix it, and, and you won't hear one channel of sound. I'm going to fix it so that you have stereo. So right now, this doesn't matter to you. But, I, but it's still in the back of my mind. It's just tickling in the back of my mind. Why haven't you fixed this? Why can't you fix this? You're Big Honk and Steve. You should do this. You've got to fix this before Smallville starts back up, or you are in trouble, young man. So uh, hopefully we'll have all the glitches fixed soon. Uh, anyhow, you know what? You're not here to hear me complain about my situation. You're here to let's... Uh, Talk about what you've got to say in your emails. And I love reading emails from you guys. And this one comes from David Dupree. He says, a fellow member of the class of 95, Big Hog and Steve, I'm a big fan of all your podcasts. I was also born the year Star Wars came out in September of 1977. Class of 95. I remember seeing Star Wars on TV many, many times and renting the tapes many, many times. I even copied the tapes so I wouldn't have to keep renting them. Um, Thinner. I, I got to confess, we had, for the longest time uh, in our house, copies of tapes from other tapes. We, uh, My uncle taught us how to do that, and we had The Empire Strikes Back, which was just copied from another, was, was copied from a rental, and uh, our Return of the Jedi was actually copied from Laserdisc, and, with, and there was like two or three of those big Laserdisc things. I don't know if it was laser. It was, they were big square things, I, I, I recall, and you put them into the player. Maybe they actually were disc, and I'm just thinking of the cover. And you put them in the player, but this actually took up two or three discs, maybe two. And there was always the point where um, it, it always stopped just after the meeting talking about the battle. And so there was always this black, this, this second or two of just black between the battle. Um, you had to turn it over. Maybe it had to turn it over. I don't know. Anyhow, I'm, I'm digress. The, between the the plan for the Battle of Endor and right as they're all leaving to go to the Battle of Endor, you know, good luck, you're going to need it, that sort of thing. Um, anyhow, uh, that's uh, 
that's kind of my memory of those two. Let's con let's continue on. Uh, my first purchase <clears throat> was the THX box set of Star Wars video in a store closing sale. I remember the purchase most clear because I walked into the video section of the store. The video shelf was mostly empty, save for the one box set of Star Wars on the top shelf, and it seemed to call to me. I watched someone else nearby as their gaze fell on the box set, and I knew I had to get it first. So I knocked him out. No, he didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I've kept these tapes because the 1997 DVD versions were the enhanced ones, and you couldn't get the original versions on DVD for the longest time until recently. I still kept these uh, because of the circumstance of that purchase. All right, I know what you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about the THX remastered versions. This is not the special editions. This was uh, Own It for the Last Time. And before each movie, there was an interview with, with Leonard Malton uh, and George Lucas. Leonard Malton was in, interviewing George Lucas. The, the, the set itself is a really neat-looking set, and it became kind of the standard of what Star Wars would look like for a few years. Um, uh, Star Wars had half of Darth Vader's face on it, and, and down the bottom there was a TIE fighter and an X-Wing fighting over the curvature of the Death Star. Uh, Empire Strikes Back had half of a Stormtrooper face, and down in the corner it had, like, uh, I think some AT-ATs or whatever. Uh, and Return of the Jedi was half of Yoda's face, and down in the corner it had Luke and Vader fighting. But uh, it was uh, mostly black. Uh, a New Hope was, Star Wars was blue coloring, Empire, I forget what color Empire was, and uh, and Return of the Jedi was kind of a, a, a purplish color, and they and and that was kind of the standard logo for a few years there in the nineties. I remember buying those. My first set that I bought was actually the uh, the videotapes with kind of the movie posters on the videotape case cases there. Um, I bought them in Walmart for for a good price, and then when that box set came out, of course I picked it up. And, uh, and then in 97, when they released the special editions, well, yeah, they released the special editions, that gold box, you know, with the slide case. Uh, I, I picked that up. And then in 2001 uh, or 2000, they released, again, the trilogy on, on VHS. And I, I was trying to figure out, okay, I've got three copies of this thing. How do I justify having a fourth? And I realized that I didn't have a version of widescreen, and they had widescreen, this version, and I really liked this case. The box had a montage, kind of a collage of different pictures and everything, really nicely done. The the videotape boxes themselves looked really good, so much better than what the DVD cases look. I mean, I'm just going to say it straight up. And uh, and so <clears throat> it was that, um, that, I, that I then had four copies of the Star Wars trilogy on VHS. So I remember those clearly, sir. It was a good time. Good time. And, and it was good. And the thing is, is don't be fooled. If you compare what was done with the THX remastered version to some of your older videotapes, you might spot a few little differences here and there as far as uh, 3PO giving his little spiel while they're looking at the, the layout of the Death Star, you know, trying to figure out where to take the tractor beam down and that sort of thing. Uh, here's what he says. A few years ago, I was given a Darth Vader head cookie slash candy jar by my boss for Christmas. It's one of my prized possessions still. I have a Star Wars shelf in my entertainment center where I have the encyclopedia, Star Wars, A New Hope Stein, and the DVD slash VHS, uh, THX VHS, 97 enhanced DVD set, steel box of the original Star Wars set, and the DVDs of episodes one through three. Also, a Yoda from Media Play when I got the uh, DVD set in 97. And uh, you didn't get the DVD set; it was a VHS set. Or you might have, um, 
you might have the video CDs from 2001, but I, you didn't get the DVD set in 97. And a set of three Star Wars keychains uh, sold through Avon. I also have a shelf of all the Lord of the Rings DVDs with limited edition gifts, bookends, Gollum statue, and Minas Tirith. Uh, I've got the bookends. I, you know, the Gollum statue didn't appeal to me, and I just didn't have money to go for the Minas Tirith. Those were like the gift set things. There was a while when a lot of DVD releases would do that, if you recall. They, they did... Uh, the, they'd release the DVD set and have some kind of gift set with it, you know. I, I remember Spider-Man had an awesome gift box, and it came with Spider-Man, uh, the, uh, the sit-down interview between Kevin Smith and Stan Lee, Marvel's um, Mutant Monsters, Marvel's, and it was uh, basically Stan Lee giving a retrospective of his different stuff. Great, That is a great little interview. Um, and I say little. It, it went on, and, and they covered a lot of ground. Um, they, they focused on Spider-Man eventually primarily because the movie was coming out at that point or had just come out. Uh, he says, there are certain items I've kept in my childhood I'll never part with. In addition to the Darth, Darth Vader cookie jar, a gizmo, plush doll gizmo from uh, 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 Gremlins, uh, a spike plush doll from The Land Before Time. Uh, you know, when you, said, uh, when you said spike, I was thinking, oh, you got a spike doll from Gremlins too, but uh, it's Land Before Time. Um, which can't fault you there, Land Before Time. Lucas Lucas had his hands in that. That was a Lucasfilm produced. Um, top five superhero movies since 1988. My top five would have to be X-Men, Iron Man, Dark Man, The Dark Knight, and Batman, 1989 with Keaton. Honorable mentions are Iron Man 2, The Punisher with Thomas Jane, The Incredible Hulk, Batman Begins, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and Superman... I found Geek Out Loud from your Skynex podcast. Since then, I've worked my way through all of your podcasts. I have a huge collection of 565 DVD titles and 65 Blu-ray titles. I love movies, and I'm always looking for looking at news of who's in what and what's coming next. I eagerly await Tron Legacy. You better believe it, sir. I am so stoked for that movie and, and greatly looking forward to it. It says, I enjoyed Avatar, but the story wasn't as good as I'd hoped. Agreed. Don't get me started on Avatar. Here's the thing. There, we found out that on this podcast, there are a few things that are not safe to geek out about. Uh, Twilight and Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm really slowly considering adding Avatar to that. Uh, the more I think about Avatar, the more my blood kind of boils a little bit. I just get a little irked by the whole situation with Avatar. Not because it's a bad movie, not because it's ugly to look at, but because I just don't think it lived up to the hype. I, I don't think that, I, I, I don't know, I just don't think that, I don't think it's as great as what it, it was supposed to be. Um, you do excellent work, sir. Thank you. I'm currently listening to your episode 42, Dance Party. In regards to Iron Man 2, what happened to that clip from the trailer? It wasn't in the movie. Yes, uh, it's the clip he's talking about where he says, how about a kiss for luck? And he throw, and she throws the she kisses the helmet and throws it over the side and he's like, You complete me. I know. I was really disappointed that one in it. I hope that they have some type of uh restoration or branching kind of scene that we can see that in the uh in the in the Blu-ray release. It says I collect movie trailers for the big movies. I still have the original Spider Man trailer where Spider Man captures the bank robbers between the twin towers. I, you know, I don't know if it's because that was pulled because of September eleventh and I only saw it once or twice. Of course, I've seen it online since, or if, if, or if I really believe this, but that was one of the coolest 
teasers ever for a movie to me. Um, like again, it may just be the rose-colored glasses of having not seen seen it over and over and over and again and again and again and again all that much, but um, but but indeed, just because you're like, what is this? What is this? And all and you never really see Spider-Man until the very end, of course. But they they rob the 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 helicopter kind of messes up, and then they look out and they're hanging in a web, and it's just really. To me, that was really cool. Um, I've really enjoyed Human Target and your Blending In podcast. What happened to it? It's gone. Uh, there's only three episodes on iTunes. Uh, thank you for reminding me with hours of entertainment while I'm working. It's helped pass the hours. Well, thank you, sir. Let me encourage you to check out the uh, the um, Round 3 podcast that will be coming back to the interwebs very soon. So, uh, So thank you for that, David J. Dupree. I appreciate you listening in, sir, and being a part of the greatest podcast listening audience uh, in the world. Uh, Greetings from the land of 11 herbs and spices, says Justin Wiseman. That's talking about Kentucky, of course. He says, hey there, Big Honkin. Hey there, Justin. I've been listening to Geek Out Loud for about six months now, and I've always wanted to sit down and compose an email to you about my lifetime geekishness or geekiness, in particular to share a story with you that I think you would appreciate. The year was 2007. The month, August. The place, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Uh, the place, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, two friends of mine and I decided to take a vacation and head up to the Chicago Kamikai, a.k.a. Wizard World, for four days of pure geek joy. We had gone there the year previous and thoroughly enjoyed it. At the time, we had no idea what epicness lay in store for us. I remember the news that came out of this. We arrived on Thursday afternoon, immediately set our bags down in our hotel, and headed to the, quote, preview night, unquote. We were barely there 10 minutes when we noticed a sign saying that Warner Brothers was going to have a panel the next night, Friday, at 5 p.m. We could only think of one thing it could be about, uh, the dark night. We got up early the next morning and headed over to the convention center. We had VIP tickets. We were able to get in one hour before the other ticket holders were allowed to. We immediately saw a huge line of geeks and jumped in it. After about 45 minutes, the waiting line slowly but surely moved to a big booth with huge WB slash DC logo over it. We were handed a slip of paper telling us that the panel was to be held at 5 p.m. in a certain room. Then we were handed a T-shirt asking that we please wear it at the presentation. We tore open the package containing the T-shirt, and I jumped up and down like an idiot as we saw the Batman logo on the front and the date and location of the convention on the back. 5 p.m. could not come fast enough. Around 3 p.m., my friends and I decided to head over to the room. We figured there would be a long line. We were right. A line of geeks went around the lobby twice before we got there. We quickly changed our shirts, shirtless guys in the lobby, and waited. Fast forward to 4 p.m. when the line started moving towards the double doors. I immediately noticed that two big men in suits were checking everybody. I quickly hid my camera phone and smiled as I approached the two imposing behemoths. You have any recording devices or other electronics on you, son? The first guy asked me sternly. No, sir. I smiled through my teeth. After checking my backpack, they let me through, and I ran to find a seat close to the front. Even though there were about 200 people in the hall, it didn't feel crowded. After a little bit of time, the lights went down a bit, and the president of DC Comics, Dan Didio, or Didio, uh, stepped out from behind a huge black curtain to face 200 hyped-up, freaked-out geeks who were signed, who were grinning ear to ear. And thanking us, after thanking us for coming, he proceeded to state the obvious that this panel was all about the Dark Knight, and since the movie was shot in Chicago, there was no other city that could have laid claim, not even San Diego, to that night's pre- presentation. Now, if you recall, 2007. The, the 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 news that ruled San Diego Comic Con was Iron Man. Uh, John Favreau showed up. He showed some footage. He would later release said footage online, 
and it just took the world by storm. People were so stoked about Iron Man. There was a lot of the uh, the plane footage. It, it ended with him kind of flying off from the planes, that sort of thing. Um, and I remember talking to friends and people uh, around that time saying, why didn't they do anything with The Dark Knight? Nothing was really promoted with The Dark Knight. That kind of surprises me. And it was just a few months later at Chicago. They said, you know what? We filmed it here. Uh, you know, we, we feel like we owe it to the people of Chicago and to this con to really give the Dark Knight a big presence here. And did they ever? Uh, let's go on. Um, <clears throat> he then stated he had several special guests he wanted to bring out and announced us to welcome Mr. Gary Oldman. Uh, big honk in the place went nuts. And I was not 15 minutes away from freaking James Gordon. Oh, my Lanta, he writes. After the noise died down, he stated again for us to welcome Mr. Aaron Eckhart. Once again, the place went crazy as Two-Face himself swaggered out on the stage. Then Mr. DiDio went on to announce Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, who bowed graciously to the thunderous applause. Then the room went silent, and I'll never forget the words I heard next. And now, we could not have a Batman panel without Bat, and it sounded like a bomb had gone off in the room. The crowd screamed, jumps to its feet. I thought I could see geeks practically crying. <laughs> as Batman himself, Christian Bale, stepped out and sat down. The applause took a good five minutes to finish. After everything settled down, the D.O. began a question and a Q&A session with the cast, followed by questions from the audience. It was almost magical. After all the questions had been answered, Mr. Nolan stood up, Christopher, that is, and told us uh, he had a treat for us. We were going to be the first group of fans in the world to see actual footage from the movie. The lights went down, the screen came up, and the first thing we heard was the Joker's laugh. The two minutes of footage contained some dialogues in the interrogation room fight, the Joker's takeover of Bruce Wayne's party, along with the Tumblr and the voice of Two-Face. It was amazing. As we left, we walked through what looked like a metal detector but had black lights on it, and we were instructed to look at our shirts, which had ha-ha-ha-ha-has written all over it. I had that, I had at that same con a run-in with someone you might fancy, the lovely Erica Durant. But I've taken too much of your time already. I'll save that for another email. All in all, the most successful con ever for me. Yours in geekiness. Justin from Kentucky. Justin from Kentucky. I'm so glad. You know, back when uh, back when that happened, I, I just kind of started Geek Out Loud and and Geek Out Online, and, and I was really stoked for summer 2008. And I remember all that news coming out, and 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 just how cool it would have been to talk to someone who was actually there. Um, and I'm glad. Like, thank you so much for sending this email because you did a great job of painting the picture of what it was like. I really love when you said that the Dio said we can't have bat panel without a uh, Batman panel without bat and the crowd goes nuts. Um, because I've been in a situation like that, you know, I mean, it, it's those, it's those moments that you don't, none of us want to be that geek. None of us want to be that person who just melts at the sign of, of one of these people. And, um, and, and, and it's hard not to. And in a situation like that, with freaking Christian Bale coming out, you know, uh, yeah, you better believe the place is going to go nuts. You better believe I would have gone nuts. Same thing happened at Celebration 5 when Jon Stewart came out to introduce George Lucas. Um, it was really cool. Uh, the, 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 the panel, um, uh, we, you know, there's a whole story, and, we'll, and when we get people on to talk about it, we'll talk about it uh, that day. But I'll just say we'd been waiting all night, of course, and we're sitting there. We got really good seats, in my opinion, for the show. Um, we sit there. Uh, they do a few little warm-ups with people as, as we're approaching the, the hour, the 11 o'clock hour, and they're getting the crowd warmed up. 
And uh, and then the music starts, and out comes a line of stormtroopers, one of which, come to find out, I was hanging out with a lot hyper. Um, and, uh, and and one of them takes her helmet off, and it's Jay Lagaya, who'd been hosting on that stage, and he introduced John Stewart. John Stewart came out, made a few comments, and he said, well, you're not here to see me. Without further ado, here's George, and the place just went nuts. And the Star Wars theme came up, and you just couldn't help but get chills. It was a great moment. And so I totally know, and, and, the, and the applause didn't die down, and it, and it went for so long that when we all finally sat down, uh, John Stewart said, well, that's all the time we have. Thanks for coming <laughs> And so uh, it was, I can just imagine what it was like with the anticipation for the dark night, because let us not forget, you know, people forget that Batman Begins was a good movie. I know a few people who aren't big fans of uh uh, of the Dark Knight, who aren't big fans of Batman Begins for whatever reasons, because of their association with the comics for so many years. But I gotta say that for general movie-going audiences to be introduced to this character in a way that has never really been done before, um, and and for general movie-going audiences to to be given a character who, when he's Batman, they can they can get behind, and when he's Bruce Wayne, they understand the front he's putting on. And when he's Bruce Wayne down in the cave with Alfred, they can totally they see how likable this guy really is. To see all that kind of thrown together, and and to not do the Tim Burton over the top expressionism, and and to not do the Joel Schumacher homage to the 1960s Batman, and you know, and and to just have something that treats this like serious material, something we've always wanted. You you, I mean, Batman Begins was a really spectacular movie. And it kind of got drowned out how awesome Batman Begins was. And so what happens is when you take us back to that story, it makes us remember just how awesome we all thought Christian Bell was as Batman and Batman Begins. Um, and for him to be introduced and to come out on stage, and, oh, man, I just I would have loved to have been at that. That seemed completely, that seems like it would have been a completely awesome situation. Uh, here comes old Dave in the quiet corner. He says, hi, Steve Reno, which I hate that name. And he says, which is scientifically a cross between a neutrino and you. I was listening to your most recent Geek Out Loud podcast, number 36. This is how long ago this was, by the way. And you were having a chuckle over how someone had invited you to a Star Wars concert with them. I don't think it was 30. I think I misnumbered that one, and that was actually 46. Uh, it was out of the blue, and you had no previous history with the person. That ends up being Dave Atterbury, sir. And it wasn't a Star Wars concert. It was a Star Wars convention. I guess you found it both sweet and amusing. So I asked myself... What is it about Steve that is so endearing and makes you want to be instant friends with him? I've got it. You're a verbal hot tub. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my Lanta, sir. Well, hello, Dave in the Quiet Corner. Um, That's right, a cauldron of frothy goodness bumbling over with enthusiasm and immersing us in the warm, calming liquidity that is your voice. Ugh. <clears throat> Dave, I'm going to ask that you never email me again. I'm kidding. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, he says, I know what you're saying to yourself. Dave, I love this email so much. I'm going to print it out and give it a big hug. Actually, Dave, I'm so creeped out by this email, I'm never going to read it again. <laughs> he says, as for your upcoming 50th anniversary, I think you should tour the country in one of those limos with a hot tub in the back so we can all share in the goodness firsthand. I know, good idea, right? That was a good idea. I wish I could do it. Um... He says, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We love you, Steve. Don't ever change. Your friend from the deepest regions of the quiet corner where we're the only ones on our street without your hot tub or pool, or without a hot tub or pool, uh, Dave. Dave, thanks so much for the kind words. I totally get the sentiment, and I appreciate it, sir. 
and uh, and you never stop emailing this podcast. Uh, your emails are always chock full of of goodness and yumminess. So uh, this comes from John Yanni or John Yanni, John in Cleveland. He says, "Hi, big honkin'. I'm a first time emailer to the show. Woohoo! Uh, and I want to talk some Clone Wars with you today." Isn't it amazing how good this, quote, kitty show, unquote, has gotten? The show is some of the best Star Wars out there. Season 1 was phenomenal, but if I'm being honest with you, Season 2 let me down a bit. Of course, the animation was better, but some of the episodes didn't do it for me. Senate Spines, Senate Murderers, for example. I have high expectations for Season 3, and I hope it can deliver. From the looks of the trailer, I think it will please me. Ahsoka having premonitions, Return of Zero the Hut, and a journey back to Kamino all seem pretty interesting to me. I think Season 2 was giving us a taste of different genres, from zombies to Godzilla, but in Season 3, we'll be getting into the nitty-gritty plot lines like the fate of Ahsoka, and Anakin's fall of the dark side will be explored more, and I can't wait, and I know you can't either. After all, October isn't too far away. Well, September isn't too far away, sir. Oh, and by the way, if anyone ever tells you that Clone Wars is for little kids, show them the scene where Pre Vizsla shoots his own trooper in the chest. Uh, John and Cleveland, i got to say... You know, I'm surprised at how many Star Wars fans haven't given the Clone Wars a chance. I, you know, I was, I went off on a rant on, on, on the Media Junkyard voicemail, and I don't know when that'll be posted or if they'll ever even play it, uh, because of, of, of a comment they made on, on, their episode, on one of their episodes about George Lucas kind of having lost it or, or the downfall of George Lucas in the past decade. And i got to say, um, that's one of those statements, and you know, if you listen to the show, you know I completely, totally disagree with it. Clone Wars Season 3, and I can say this after having been at Celebration 5, looks to be phenomenal. Now, granted, you know, they do a, a weird thing when, they, when they're showing Clone Wars previews and that sort of thing. Is, uh, is they show you a big chunk of what's coming up in the first one or two episodes. But, you know, if, if the themes of what we're seeing carry over, and, and we're going to see those Mandalorians again, and I know that's kind of a sore spot for some people, but, those, but you know, apparently Dave Filoni has said that, you know, some of these loose ends are going to be tied up in Season 3. We're going to see Anakin start to take that turn, he said, that, you know, and, and so you can kind of understand where he's at mentally by Episode 3. I don't know that we're necessarily going to get, you know, Ahsoka is having premonitions, but I don't know that we're going to get pushed very much closer to her destiny. Uh, but I will say this, that one of the most powerful images uh, from the Clone Wars Season 3 mega trailer, you can find it right now on StarWars.com, that they showed at Celebration 5, was an image of, if you remember on Kamino in Episode 2, when Obi-Wan is touring the cloning facility, um, and, and you see these huge, uh, big, almost towers with, uh, with jars attached to the side, with all the little clone fetuses, fetuses in them. Um, you know, and you recognize that those are unborn clones. They're, they're the clones that are, you know, in production right now. Um, so, uh, So, so you see those things, and you see them crashing down because of a separatist attack. And when you think about those are, you know, unborn clones in those little jars, and and then you see it, you cut to like Captain Rex saying, you know, my blood's boiling for a fight. Um, you know, that's a situation where, you know, you this is going to get some real emotion out of these clones. There's going to be at least in the first couple of episodes, you're going to start to see a divide between Dooku and Ventress. Um, as 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 the emperor is apparently telling Dooku to kill his 
his apprentice, Darth Sidious is telling him to kill his apprentice. Uh, you're going to see Darth Maul's brother introduced. And I, and I know that seems, that's one of those connections that seem kind of weird, but you're going to find out why it's Darth Maul's brother and where he comes from and, and how Sidious found him and that sort of thing. So I think it's, and it's not going to be some little kid Darth Maul either. This dude is huge. Uh, he's the same species and everything, and he's a monster. Savage Opress. Can't give much props on the name, but other than that, looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome Clone Wars season. If you haven't gotten into the Clone Wars, I want to encourage you to go back and pick up season one. Watch the first episode, Ambush. Tell me that it's not good stuff. Watch the episode, Rookies. A lot of people love Rookies from season one. Um, what else? What else is there? Watch the movie. You know that came out. People complain and gripe about it, but let me tell you something. All this stuff is Star Wars, and it really feels like Star Wars. And and kids are loving it, and they're doing a great job of striking striking a great balance between uh, things that are going on. Uh, this one comes from Cal. Cal says, "Greeting, Master Honkins. Uh, greetings, Master Honkin. I would like to present you." with the black belt in podcast foo for the epicness of Geek Out Loud. Aside from that, I'd like to say that this is oddly my first listener mail to you. Woohoo! Master Honkin, yes, I'm going to continue to call you that. You don't have to do this. And with this, I have a random story about when I was listening to the 25th anniversary. You started playing Too Late for Chocolate Pie. At that point, I'd seldom heard the real song or your parody apart from when it was mentioned on the podcast. I never realized that the, li- <laughs> I never realized that the real lyrics were not Chocolate Pie until it was played, and I realized, that doesn't sound quite right. After that, I proceeded to put chocolate pie on my iPod, and I always sing your lyrics whenever the real song is played. Uh, drawing some eyes. I bet you have scarred me for life in a good way, Master Honkin. That is all. Move along. Nothing to see here. Cal, your biggest 12-year-old fan, uh, listener. I'm part of the greatest listening body in the multiverse. I'm a listener of Geek Out Loud. Well, we can't call ourselves... I, the multiverse was stolen by uh, by Professor Bailey, so I can't say that you're part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the multiverse unless you're listening to views from the long box. But I can say it's great to have you, Cal, and I'm glad you're along for this ride, and, uh, and I hope you're having fun with the rest of us. Give me your thoughts on... Um, I'd love to hear from you, Cal, with your thoughts on the Clone Wars and what you think if, if you're into that kind of stuff. So uh, this comes from Tim. He says, hey, Jedi Master Honkin, I'm a faithful listener to all the podcasts you do. He's a first-time emailer, woohoo, with a Star Wars story. I'm a faithful listener to all the podcasts you do, but this is my first time emailing into Goal. Woohoo! Go on, you know you love making that sound. You may insert another woohoo whenever you'd like. Woohoo! I started listening to Geek Out Loud by listening to your first two Star Wars episodes, and in the wake of Star Wars Celebration 5, I decided to email with my Star Wars story. I cannot remember my first experience with Star Wars. When most kids have a teddy bear when they were little, I had a stuffed wicket Ewok that my mom got in college. Dude, I have a stuffed wicket to this day that I had when I was a kid. It still sits in the Star Wars room atop the Yoda stand-up that was promoting the uh, Attack of the Clones DVD release. I was in third grade and hadn't been paying attention to any trailers or TV spots until I was over visiting my neighbor after school to work on a school project. His mom gave us cupcakes, yes, and we played Nintendo 64, ugh. Uh, why do you say ugh? Nintendo 64 was cool. But when we went upstairs to his room, I saw the Darth Maul Phantom Menace poster on his wall. As a little eight-year-old who was obsessed with Star Wars, I was enthralled. What? What is this? He told me it was a poster from the new Star Wars movie, and the guy was a Sith Lord. Si- a Sith Lord? I asked. Then he showed me a Disney Adventures Digest that had an article in the movie. 
and I nearly wet myself when I saw a picture of Darth Maul with his double-bladed lightsaber. The article said that he was Sith Lord. This he said he was a Sith Lord, Darth Maul, and he would be appearing in the new Star Wars film, The Phantom Menace, in two months. I was ecstatic. I checked each day off on my calendar until the day of the film's release. As I sat in the theater with a large popcorn and soda, my jaw hit the floor when Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan lit up the lightsabers and deflected the blaster bolts back at the droidicas. For only, only for the force-filled bubbles to deflect them back, I was sold. Years passed, and I took Star Wars with me as I got older. When I was distraught over not being able to go to Star Wars Celebration, I forget which one, my girlfriend surprised me to tickets to the Star Wars where Science Meets Imagination exhibit at the Franklin Institute. There was a quote-unquote ride of sorts when we got into a Millennium Falcon simulator where Anthony Daniels narrated a journey through the solar system. It was cool. And my girlfriend and I got our pictures taken sitting in the cockpit of the Falcon. That is cool. We walked through the exhibit, and it was awesome to learn about the, specific, the special effects and how real-world science mirrored Star Wars. However, my girlfriend kept one surprise for the end. Ooh, Lord. And I lost my stuff when I entered the final room. It was filled with official props from the Star Wars films. I saw Luke's land speeder. I saw Hans get up in the Chewie Chuck costume, along with numerous other costumes from throughout the saga. The original Yoda puppet, C-3PO, R2-D2, blasters, and lightsabers. I saw the models they used in the making of the original trilogy, but notably the Leia bikini. Ooh, yeah. After the exhibit, I spent oodles of cash in the gift shop, and my girlfriend brought a replica of the Leia bikini, and that is where this story will freaking end. <laughs> Let's just say I piloted my... Easy. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to read that next line. Anyway, I just want to email in as Star Wars is the... <laughs> wow. Um, is Star Wars is the epitome of my geekdom as well. Thanks for giving me a safe place to get out online. I'm honored and privileged to become a member of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Little Honkins. No, nah, don't call yourself that. That's... Eh, yeah. You have a cult following. We don't... I don't have a following. Okay? Just chill, man. Let me... T- I just want to say this real quick to everybody. The guys I met at C5, the people I met at C5, I hope they will tell you that 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 with me, it's not it's not fans, it's listeners and friends, man. You, it's so cool to go somewhere and meet people and just shake their hand, have some conversation, and walk away saying, you know what, we're friends. Uh, you know, they're listeners and we're friends, and um, and so that's why I kind of reject this idea of fandom. I'm not big enough to have fan. I mean, I'm big. But I'm not big enough to have fans, and 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 I don't I don't know that I want fans, you know, because I, I just like you guys listening, and I like the conversations we get to have. But that's way too serious. Uh, he says, uh, "Geek out loud, snuggies." No, no. Depending on when this episode is aired, I hope to hear many Celebration Five stories for those of us who couldn't make it. You will hear Celebration Five stories, sir, and um, and I look forward to sharing them. But I want to get other people on before we start sharing. Uh, the old Celebration 5 stories. Uh, let's do one more because we're about 50 minutes in now. Um, I will do Matthew Cunningham. Matthew says, hey, Steve, just want to let you know uh, what I've been geeking out on recently. It's digital comics. I received an iPad for Father's Day. Well, happy Father's Day to you, sir. I use it for so many things, Netflix, general book reading. But the thing I enjoy most is probably digital comics. Now with the Marvel and DC digital stores, you can get some great comics, especially the intros uh, to the series. I've picked up the 2008 Red Hulk or Rook series, and it looks beautiful on the iPad. Your podcast has sparked my interest in the Superman comic book line. Uh, recent series of uh, Last Sun and New Krypton are the ones I would like to read, and I found these as well as the full Blackest Night series. I really enjoy reading them on my iPad. There seems to be a big controversy over digital comics. Many believe it will be the death of the comic books. 
I believe that it will grow and expand the industry. People like myself who have an interest but never actually go to a comic book store might download a free intro into a series and then get hooked and buy the whole series. It's easy, it's convenient, and all you need is the Internet, not a comic book store that could be 50 miles away. Anyways, what are your thoughts, Steve? Thanks, Matt Cunningham. Okay, Matt, here's my thoughts on digital comics. I want an iPad for digital comics, for the purpose of digital comics. Yeah, You know, I think that if comics went completely digital, it'd make me sad to an extent because... <clears throat> Because there is something to me, I'm an old fogey, there's something about having the physical copy of the comic. I like the comic books. You know, I'm not one to go out and, uh, and search hardcore for trades and that sort of thing. Uh, I like the individual issues. I like having them in my hand, and I like the feel of a comic book. I like to sit down and read a comic book, but I've heard great things about comics on the iPad. So what I think that the industry has a chance to do here is to get back into the 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 general market through the iPad. I think what would be smart on their part is to release, you know, to, to take to use the digital format to test some water sometimes because as much as you have to pay, you know, for a comic book to be written and drawn and that sort of thing, um, if if you cut costs when you don't have to print it and ship it out, when all you have to do is pay for the bandwidth to be able to have it online and people to download it as they pay, you know, $1.99 or whatever it is they would pay for a comic book. Um, I think what you've got is, is, a, is a good gateway for some of your more minor characters and some more minor titles that might, you know, that might be the way to lead them into a, into a full print. But I also think it's a great opportunity for, uh, for the industry to take comics that uh, have already been printed, you know, to take stuff. You mentioned the Red Hulk series, and you mentioned uh, Last Sun and, and, and New Krypton and that sort of thing. I think it's a great opportunity for to take these stories, much the same way they do the trades, and release them kind of in a, you know, after they've been released on, on the stands and that sort of thing, uh, to readers on an iPad or in a digital format that way. And I think what they'll see happen is is a lot of people starting to jump on this thing, especially if it's cheaper than a $4 price point. Um, and if anything's going to kill the comic book industry physically when it comes to digital comics, it's going to be that price point. If you can keep that price point down, uh, then I think you're going to be able to to, to see a lot of new readers come onto the scene. And the thing is, you got to think about young kids. Now, I'm 33 years old. Uh, I'm, I'm about six months away or so uh, from being 34 years old. And, um, and you got to think about the kids out there who their introduction to comics and to these characters been through movies and cartoon series. So these kids know about Iron Man and Spider-Man and the Hulk and Batman and, and even to an extent Superman and you know and, and and really with like the the Batman Brave and the Bold series and the Superhero Squad and those sorts of things kids know about the expansive universe uh, of these uh, of of these universes that's kind of redundant but you know what I'm saying like like they don't just know the big names that have been in the movies they know other characters based on these different cartoon series and so what and the only thing is 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 that's the thing about those cartoon series and, and and the movies and stuff is is they are a great gateway into comics themselves. You know, I bought comics. I got into comics because I recognized the incredible Hulk from the TV show. 
You know, the first time I bought a Justice League comic was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, when Grant Morrison uh, did the relaunch of JLA. And JLA number one was sitting there on the stands, and there was Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Aquaman! Um, And the Martian Manhunter. And, And that picture and the Green Lantern and the Flash, and that picture just looked like to me the Super Friends of old, you know, just updated for the at that time, the 90s. And, and that's what got me to buy it, was not that I had always read DC. I was a Marvel guy. Um, but what got me to buy it was because it looked like the freaking Super Friends. And that excited me. You know, so these cartoons were a great stepping stone into the comic book uh, universe, into reading comic books. And kids today are so up on technology, man. I know four-year-olds that can get on an Internet connection and check the weather. Um, you know, kids know how to use this stuff and it, because it's part of their society. It's part of their – the same way that, that I took to a VCR and a DVD player and a computer a lot easier than, say, my dad did, these kids are taking to, to the iPods and the iPads and all this stuff a lot easier than I am. Um, you know, and, and they're getting the full use out of it because it's just something – it's common to them. It's in their everyday vernacular. They, they just automatically kind of pick these things up and know how to use them. So I think that if these companies are really smart and have good prices on some digital comics, what you're going to see is the fan base for comic books grow again, not through the old fogies like me, but through the kids who read. Now, a lot of people have problems with the content of comic books and what kids are reading. Look, I'm not going to say that the comics I read as a kid were the most sophisticated things in the world. You know, you got guys who are writing comics, and, and, and I don't know why they feel like they got to throw in a cuss word here, a swear word there, or a sex scene here or there. But the, the content that they're dealing with, you take something like Civil War, man. I would have read that as a kid and ate it up. You know, there were there were some there were some pretty serious stuff, and and there was a there were times where the you know where sex was kind of you know insinuated between two characters and that sort of thing. Didn't necessarily show anything. I remember thinking Mary Jane uh, Watson Parker Watson hyphen Parker was one of the hottest babes in the world back in the day. The way that Eric Larson and, and Todd McFarlane drew her, um, you know, and and she and Peter had a great relationship as a married couple. They they genuinely loved each other and flirted with one another, you know, in spite of all the problems they'd have and that sort of thing. And I was a kid reading about a married couple, and I was perfectly okay with that. I never thought it was weird. I, I never felt a disconnect from it, you know. I enjoyed what I read there. Same thing with the Fantastic Four, you know, reading Sue Richards and had a family. They they were married with a child and. And, but I never felt a disconnect from them because of that. You know, I never felt... And I think that the mistake a lot of writers and stuff reading today is saying, well, kids can't really connect to this, so we've got to really write a series that may be a little more dumbed down uh, for a kid's viewing audience. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I think that, you know, a kid 11 or 12, 10, 11 or 12, is able to kind of handle some of the stuff that are in, in comics. If And they only need to pull back a little bit as, as far... And what I mean by that is... Pull back a little bit on the language. Parents don't want their kids reading swear words. You know, they don't, no matter who the parent is, whether, they, whether they're worried about whether their child will cuss one day or not, that's not the point. It's just like, you know, most parents aren't ready for their child at 10 or 11 to be picking up something that's, you know, got, got a bunch of cussing in it. Um, but, you know, the violence and all that stuff, that's there. And, and, and I don't think it negatively affects a kid 
to the extent that they're going to go out and think that they can, you know, I don't know, kill Dr. Doom or something. I've gotten way off my point. My point is this, is I think that digital comics is a great way to these kids who have been introduced to the the cartoons and the movies to have a jumping on point for uh, their comic book reading. And once you expand that base, you know, have your comic book store locators, have these things. And I think you'll see the industry hopefully not boom again like it did in the 90s, but at least begin to thrive. You know, hopefully speculators will stay out of the comic book business for a while, if ever. Again, I hope that they'd never get back into it again. Um, they really ruined the way comics were done back in the 90s, you know. And, uh, and there was some good stuff in the 90s, but what I'm saying, I don't need to get off on that. My point is this. I think digital comics can be a good thing. I don't want to see them replace physical comic books. Though, the nature of the beast is that they probably will one day. And and if that happens in my lifetime, it happens in my lifetime. We all know that by 2015, where we're going, well, you don't need roads. So back to the future, baby. Come on. we got five years before we don't need roads. So, uh, you know, it's it's coming. I think, that, I think that style is coming. We've seen a little bit with the trades and that sort of thing. But I've rambled on enough about that. What I'm really excited about is what's coming down the pipe here. Um, let me see if there's one more I can jump to. Uh, real, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get uh, get back when we get Steve on here. Um, Steve Mitchell sent me a uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Mitchell sent me a, a, an email before Celebration Five, and he's like, maybe someday we can be friends at Celebration Five, and. Um, <laughs> And so we, we kind of cut up and talked when we were there, and I gave him a hard time about that. But it's cool. But we'll talk to him about that when uh, when he comes back around, when hopefully I can get him on the show. Hopefully I can get him and, and a couple of other guys on the show uh, for the next episode and uh, and bore you with more Star Wars talk. But today, as, as it pertains to Star Wars talk, because I, still, I am still in uh, Star Wars mode after Celebration 5. I, I really still am. Uh, I'm glad to have my friend Jesse Colbert on uh, for the Geek Out Loud Star Wars Book Report Crossover Spectacular. What you're going to hear is one half of a conversation between Jesse and I, and uh, and and uh, and it ends, and it crosses over into, and it will continue over on StarWarsBookReport.com. So uh, check it out. And we, we propose a lot of different things and, and subjects about Star Wars, and we talk a lot about kind of some of the writing and that sort of thing. So uh, it, hopefully it'll be a good discussion starter for all of us, and hopefully it'll be something you enjoy. So without further ado, let's jump into this thing.
Well, all right, on this episode of Geek Out Loud, I'm excited to have a good friend of mine. Um, I would say he's one of my bestest friends in the whole wide world. Uh, he is the operator of StarWarsBookReport.com and um, big Star Wars fan, so that's why we're glad. To, I mean, we're friends. What can I say? We have we've done everything together from wrestling shows to Star Wars movies, and it's it's always a blast. Uh, Jesse Colbert from StarWarsBookReport.com. Jesse, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Excited to be on the show. Excited to talk about Star Wars. It's it's fun whenever you can sit down and and talk a little Jedi action. Well, you know, pulling the curtain back as I'm wont to do on my show, this whole thing started with you calling me the other night <laughs> to talk about something that happened in a novel. And um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've kind of fallen out of the novelizations. Uh, New Jedi Order kind of wore me out. It was, how long was Was that 19 books? 19 books and at least one ebook yeah there were one or two uh, little ebooks they did that i never read but just the 19 books wore me out on on star wars expanded universe and i read a few things after episode three like uh darth vader you know or dark lord the rise of darth vader um mm-hmm. you know and i re- i think i want i want to say i read is it labyrinth of evil that takes place right before episode three um it does yeah and and i read it and you know, just kind of getting myself geared up for episode three, and then after episode three, just wanting to be in that world a little bit more. Um, but I just there's a lot of the stuff like the the legacy of the Jedi, and now the fate of the Jedi, and then and then some of that that took place after that has taken place after New Jedi Order that I've been out of. But you've got your fingers on the pulse of that, man. You're into it. You <laughs> and you're scoring interviews with authors and and stuff left and right. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Karen Travis come on your show before it's all said and done. <laughs> Yes, that would be interesting if I could pull that off. You'd be the one person in the world who could, sir. (laughs) By the way, did you see that she is now tackling some Halo novels? I did. I have actually heard that. And uh, in the press release, they put a real snide comment about Star Wars. They were like, well, she'll have more freedom in this universe to expand and grow characters than she did and not have to worry about things suddenly changing on her. Well, that's interesting because the, the authors, the one thing that in my talking with them is they have incredible freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've only talked to uh, just a couple, but uh, both uh, Karen Miller and Stephen Barnes, who I talked to, there's a shameless plug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they both talked about, you know, they just said, we would like for you to write a Star Wars novel. Give us what you got. And so they have do have tremendous freedom, which I find very fascinating. Well, you know, I, I had a chance to interview for Starkville's House of L. <clears throat> I had a chance to interview Kevin J. Anderson. And we were talking mostly about his Superman novels. But I did get a few Star Wars questions in there, you know. And he's, to me, he along with Timothy Zahn are really two of the, you know, they're the guys who laid the groundwork for the modern expanded universe. Um you know him with his uh, with his young Jedi Knights Academy books, but you know and the and the uh, Champions of the Force trilogy, um, or the Jedi Academy trilogy, where you know it was really the second trilogy to come out of Star Wars expanded universe novels, and um, and that's where we're introduced to Xar Kun and um, uh, who's the guy that always turns the dark side? Kip, is that his name? Yes, Kip Durin. Yeah, yeah, Kip Durin, and you know, and, and we begin to develop these new Jedi, you know, and, and what Luke's doing here with the Jedi, and so 
he was talking about it, and he's like, these aren't my characters. Even the ones that I developed, they're not mine. They're all works for hire. And, you know, and he seemed to have a good grasp on the fact of what happens, happens. And, and there's nothing he needs to get upset or do about it because his whole thing was, I got to play in that universe, and how awesome is that? Um, and so most authors I've heard and seen don't become so proprietary with it. Uh, yes. You know, they, they tend to understand I, this is a privilege. Yeah, I definitely saw it. Uh, both Karen Miller and uh, Stephen Barnes in my interview with them, and, and, you know, they're not in contact with each other, both called themselves hired guns, which I found to be very interesting. I thought that was very interesting that they used the exact same term hmm. uh, to refer to themselves and the joy of, of being in that universe. Yeah. It's. I mean, I would yes. love. I would love to play. I mean, that's one of those things that if George Lucas or even anyone from Lucasfilm called me and said, "Hey, we want you to develop something," I'd be okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I will do my best, sir uh, or madam, whatever the case may be. Uh, <laughs> just Absolutely, and they do. And for the large part, I mean, uh, they do that. Uh, uh, Karen Miller. I mean, she basically said, "You know, I'm in the can until I'm taken out, and yeah. even if I'm taken out." I got to be there, yeah. and, and uh, so they most of them have a a deep, humble uh, respect for for what they're what they're being a part of, yeah. which I find to be just very cool. And they're all open with fans. I mean, right. they they're all so gracious when I do talk to them, and I've got to email a couple of more authors, and they are just tremendously gracious uh, to the fans, which is also another reason why you should totally read the books. I don't see how you can call yourself a Star Wars fan and not read the novels, well, but that's another okay. topic. Well, all right, then. You're treading on dangerous ground, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> So I don't know how to. I don't know if I need to go and defend my fandom with you now, or if, just because I haven't read Legacy and Fate of the Jedi, um, or if if we can just move on. What is your experience with Star Wars? I mean, how did were you? You're younger than me uh, by a few years. Um, isn't that right? Aren't you a little younger than me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. I'm 31. Oh yeah, you're a couple of years younger than me. Um, so you're kind of you're in the boat with me in as much as I guess Star Wars has always been around for you. Yes, um, I actually got into Star Wars through the expanded universe, even though I had no clue uh, what that term was. I grew up in a small town, no movie theaters. Uh, I mean, and no even you know not much to do. And I actually got into Star Wars. My parents gave me for my birthday or Christmas, one or the other, uh, gave me those book and record books mm -hmm. as a kid okay, that, that yeah, came yeah, out yeah. And, and I listened to them every day at the I sound mean, of R2-D2 turn the page <laughs> yeah, those things absolutely. yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely and uh and you know Ewoks join the fight and and uh, uh Return of the Jedi I mean I, I had those and I'd listen I had then I got the action figures and I mm -hmm. played out those those little book and record books and 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 I love them. And still to this day, Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite of the six movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not necessarily because of the movie, but just because of the time I spent uh, wearing out those book and record books. So yep. I definitely came into Star Wars not through the movies so much as through the book and record books and yeah. through the uh, uh, the action figures and toys and that kind of direction. And then, of course, uh, when I saw the movies, I mean, I definitely can remember the first time uh, as a young child seeing Star Wars and just just how i mean it's i was like seven or eight years old and man when those stormtroopers came flying through oh. 
uh, that door. I mean, yep. yeah, it was scary to me. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I mean, and Vader wasn't just this, you know, people kind of make fun of the light, bright chest plate of Vader. No, people don't. Your wife does. I'm just going to go ahead and pull that Listen, out. I'm not about to. I'm scared of her a lot more than I'm scared of Darth Vader, so I wasn't going to bring up that name. But they get me in trouble. But I mean, it was scary. And, and, and I mean, just the movies were so much bigger than life. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, just, just, just amazing. And just on a complete side note, um, the puppet work. I'm such a big fan of puppets. Uh, they're so m- much more real than the CGI stuff. And the Yoda puppetry just made him. Uh, that stuff was just so real, yeah. and it was it was just amazing. And so that's kind of uh, I kind of came in through the expanded universe and still enjoy uh, the expanded universe. But I, I kind of kid with you, but I know it's George Lucas' story, and and I'm not arrogant enough to say that he needs to follow what's been written in these sure, books. So, sure. uh, well, you know, I just uh, you. I, I got to tell the story real quick. The year was 2005, and we were on an episode three high. I mean, I, I went to a midnight showing uh, the night it opened down in Valdosta. The next day, I got up and, and came back to town, and we and we had to drive from where we were at uh, a good 45 minutes hour away to a decent movie theater at the time. And, um, and I met you guys. And, and actually, because I was running behind, I had to call you and be like, hey, I need you to catch everyone's tickets and let us pay you back when we get there. Um, and uh, it was Which you. Which threatened our friendship, right? By the way. That's true. If they were sold out, I wouldn't be on the show <laughs> <true>. right now. <laughs> that's true, because I, my plan was to get there really early in the afternoon, and I didn't. Um, but they weren't sold out, thank goodness. And, and, you, and you snagged tickets for us. And. But anywho, we got there and we watched the movie together. We had a, your it was you, your wife, myself, um, I believe our friend Tiffany and her husband Jeff, uh, our friends Jonathan Ansley, and um, and myself. And and I remember we we all kind of made fun of our friend Ansley walking out because she was just she was an emotional wreck at this point. Now she was pregnant with her second child at the time, or her third child. Second. Second child. Yeah, she was present, pregnant with her second child at the time. And, um, yeah, gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and, uh, and she's just an emotional wreck at the end of this movie about how sad everything is and how awful it all is and everything. I'm like, but the next movie's called A New Hope. We're okay. You know, we're trying. And you're over there explaining to your wife that you would kill kids for her. And, and you know, it's just. It's I would. Just, I would have followed in Anakin's footsteps without a doubt. It's just a whirlwind of, of, of emotion, you know, coming out of this thing. And a few days later, you call me up and you're trying to explain to me that your wife has said. Episode three was great, and everything looked high tech except Darth Vader. <laughs> and I got so ticked off. I'm like, "What is that woman talking about?" You know. And I begin to go into the whole thing. That is a, that is a, a hyperbaric chamber in a in a suit. He can breathe it. And she uses the term. It looks like he's got a light bright on his chest. <laughs> and that just, I just couldn't believe it. My my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, you can't talk this way. And just, it was just a few weeks later. <clears throat> When Robot Chicken did the sketch where Emperor Palpatine is sitting in his office and he's telling the guys about, I threw a Senate at him, the whole Senate, literally. And then his phone rings and it's like, you have a collect call from Darth Vader. He's like, oh, I got to take this, guys. And so he's sitting there. He's like, what do you mean they blew up the, 
what the heck's an aluminum falcon? <laughs> and then he goes on, and he's like, you mean you've been, you've been flying around for two weeks trying to get a signal? What's that light right on your chest good for? And I'm like, no! You know, I was, to- I was all Vader. No! <laughs> Uh, because your you know, wife called it before I did, and it, uh, or before Robot Chicken did, I guess. If she would just read Dark Lord Rise of Darth Vader, that gives a great explanation of what <laughs> that suit does and how it works and why he talks and breathes at the same time. I mean, it just fully explains the high-techness of the suit. So if yep. you could just get her to read that book, which I can't. Right, I understand. Well, yeah, good luck. With, I mean, I can't either. She, you know. <laughs> I I'll continue to argue with her though because I don't have to live with her, so I'm good to go. Um, We're gonna have to change your website. Right. We're gonna have to hide this from her. <laughs> Listen, my wife is a sweet woman. Oh, she I- is great. Listen, I when I was up a couple of months ago staying with you guys, she was so accommodating and everything was wonderful. So yeah, your wife's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, and it did disturb me that you're like I'd kill children for you. Yeah, I mean, you just looked at her deadpan. <laughs> She's my number one. I'm I know, telling that's you. great. That's great. But I, you're just like, I'd kill kids for you. I don't care. I, and she was just horrified. She's like, what? But, <laughs> but anyhow, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was our, that was really our episode three experience was crying, you're, you're expressing your, your desire to kill children, and light brights. So. <laughs> to save my wife's life. Kill children. That's right. To save my wife's life or to get them off the sci-fi aisle so I can look at the Star Wars book That's without right. being stepped on. <laughs> well, how did you, um, how did you get into the, the novelization, the novels the, the, of the books, or the novels of the EU? It's interesting. Um, when I just would go into bookstores, I was so intimidated by just so many uh, Star Wars books. You know, mm-hmm. I had no clue where to begin, and nobody bothered to tell me that there's a nice timeline in the front of the book that could help me <laughs> make these decisions. <laughs> and I would just look at them, and I always wanted to read them, but I was so intimidated and didn't know where to start. And then one day, um, there was, uh, well, we keep talking about it, there was Dark Lord, Rise of Darth Vader in a bargain bin and as an audio book. And I listened to it, and... Uh, when it explained the back some of the you know things about Vader about his suit, I was just just completely captivated by what the books could expand, and uh, you you really see in that book Vader wrestle uh, with being a Sith, and you see the the goodness that's still inside of him uh, that Luke ultimately brings out, and I was just so fascinated at how it could expand the backstory um, that I checked out another book and. And the next one I actually picked up was Sacrifice, which is like book four or five of Legacy. I mean, I went right to the middle of Legacy, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, you might need to take a little more care when you're picking which one you want to read, because I had no clue what was going on. And uh, then I finally talked to some friends and you know, got a timeline and really picked out some uh, books and figured out an order to read them and just love them. And when I read Paradise Snare, which is... Uh, uh, book one of the Han Solo trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, just I, it went from a side hobby to a full blown addiction. I mean, the Han Solo trilogy is still uh, my favorite three Star Wars books. I thought it was just incredible how it gives the the backstory of uh, why Han is the way Han 
solo is, and it was just a beautiful thing. And now I've just it's just a complete addiction. One that my wife fully supports because she gets to control the remote and watch what she wants to watch on TV while I sit in the <laughs> like corner and read. So it's <laughs> it's an addiction that she feeds, and uh, it, it's just I mean it's just really I mean the books really are amazing. And the one thing that the books uh, do that even the movies, which are great, and I'm not a Star Wars fan that puts down any other kind of you know genre i think they're all tremendous uh but the way they let you get inside the character's head uh is just something that is it's just a really cool experience and 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 i really do enjoy them i mean the only thing they lack is uh john williams uh music mm-hmm. playing in the background and i mean if you could just get that going on the stereo they're perfect yeah yeah um the um i remember when you <laughs> called me and you were like what should i do and and I was just kind of blown away, and I and I was looking at my bookshelf. I'm like, well, start where I started with Timothy Zahn, you know, because Zahn, I, I, I can't tell you how excited I was the day I saw Heir to the Empire on a bookshelf. I, you know, it was the days before the internet. I, I didn't follow any type of publication about books that would be coming out, that sort of thing. I just happened to see it on the bookshelf, that there is the Star Wars book, and it and that's the Star Wars logo, and and look, there's Luke and Leia, and, and there's Chewie and Han. Oh my gosh, what? It's, it's some dude with a white beard. <laughs> yeah, it's Star Wars again. I didn't mind though. That's the thing. It's like I was ready for it, man, and um, and so I ate it up, man. And it was the first book that I remember reading through twice. Um, I, I'm not one to read books more than once, um, and this is one. I, and and it was because. It felt like Star Wars. I could hear the John Williams soundtrack when I ate it. I, when I read it, when I ate it, when I read it, um, and as I ate it, because I just got hungry. And as a fat kid, I would eat a book if it was sitting there in front of me. Uh, Zahn seemed to have his hand on on how to write Star Wars, and uh, and from there it was Kevin J. Anderson, and um, and I remember the book of the Jedi Academy trilogy, the end. Spoiler alert: the end of that book leaves Luke basically in a comatose state on top of one of the temples on Yavin. And I, and we had to wait like a year before Champions <laughs> of the Force came out. And I'm like, what the? No. You know, it was just. But um, but I did. I would, in every single novel that came out, even the crappy ones, I was totally into New Rebellion, uh, The Crystal Star. Um, I, have, I haven't came across a crappy one yet. <laughs> really? Have you read any of those two I just mentioned? I have not. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, you know, even, you know, even the, and, and so, and so, you know, and it did get kind of hard to start keeping up with things if I tried to keep up with every little thing, but there was kind of a, there began to, a, a timeline began to develop. And, um, and, and so when they started to put that in the front of the books, it was kind of easier to know what I was, you know, what I was picking up and, and where I was getting things from and that sort of thing. But, I just, uh, I mean, it was just so cool at the time because there was no Star Wars. Star Wars was kind of non-existent anymore. You know, it, it was the it was the early mid '90s, and no one was talking about it. No one was talking about it may come back. And and suddenly this book hits, and it's a, and it's on the New York Times bestseller list. It was a bestseller, you know, showing that people are still all about this stuff. I think all three of those books made the bestseller list, New York Times bestseller list, and. Um, 
And next thing you know, there this magazine begins to be published, you know, from Lucasfilm, the Star Wars Insider, the Star Wars Galaxies, or whatever it was called at the time. And it was, you know, 1996, and I began to hear about this special edition thing coming out. And that's just, I mean, the whole thing is if you weren't, if you weren't really aware of what was going on between about 1985, 86 to 1995, 96, for those 10 to 12 years in there, um, when there was no Star Wars but novels and comics, and that was even sort of tail end of that, you just don't realize how starved people were for that stuff that were fans like me who, who had already at that point two different two or three different videotapes of you know each movie and um still had the toys sitting in my closet even though i was in high school and you know had a poster on my door and that sort of thing just trying to keep it alive as best i could and then to have that book come out was just so great to me um and but it was one of those things that you never really talk to people about because you know you don't want to be a loser and so And uh, and so, but by the time you met me, Jesse, it was neat because, you know, Star Wars was back in full force, and my geekdom I just wore on my sleeve at that point. It's like, yeah, I'm, I love Star Wars and Superman and Schmalveer and all this other stuff I love. So, um, <clears throat> but you have gone and taken this whole thing a whole step further. Uh, you started a blog, and and that morphed into a bit of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? How did you make that decision? Um, well, just um, wanted a place to talk about this stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, there were so many conversations that these books open up that I wanted to have and wanted a place to do it and a place to share it, which kind of morphed through a lot through your encouragement into uh, the blog. And then with just contact with a couple of authors, I'm like, hey, they're going to actually talk to me. And I'm like, I may need to record this and uh, <laughs> put it on a podcast. So it kind of just came out of a hobby and a place to be. But it's a little different than your average Star Wars book site, which there aren't many just dedicated uh, to the novels, is instead of doing uh, spoiler reviews where you just, you know, you read the spoiler and or you read the review and you've, basically got a summary of the book i really try to be intentional about being as spoiler free as i can Mm -hmm. so that you read the review and say hey i want to read that book or i don't want to read that book it's kind of uh designed to help people or or to help people decide what they want to read and then there of course there are other blogs on kind of my thoughts and what got me excited and what frustrated me uh on different things Mm -hmm. it's just a place to just enjoy uh, the novels, yeah, and and uh, I've even began the comics. I've never read the comics. Really, and, uh, which I, I mean, just, which comics are you reading? Well, I started at the beginning. I got uh, the Marvel. You're Star doing the Wars old Marvel and, Star Wars comics. I am. Where wow, uh, uh, where Jabba the Hutt is a yellow humanoid creature. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, so, and, which I love because Star Wars is is a living. Uh, story it yeah. is is not once it's down it's done it's i want to make this the best story possible <clears throat> and and uh you know i think yoda morphing in or not yoda uh jabba morphing into a hut is is part of we want this to be the best story possible and uh and so just enjoy it just a place to enjoy the written world of star wars well the marvel comics are the original expanded universe sir um and and the and the and what they go through and what they do in those comics, it's amazing to see how many how many times they got it wrong. 
um, based on what, because they had no, I mean, they didn't know what was coming down the pipe, you know? Like, there's even a story that's a flashback of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Vader off on an adventure together. Um, mm-hmm. As you get on into the story. And it and it's because that happens before Empire, and no one knows that Vader's Luke's dead. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's fine. The, the thing is, it's a situation where it was a different time where people didn't get all up in arms about... You know, had that had that been this had that been this time period, people been like, "Well, Darth Vader can't be Luke's father." There was the whole story of how Obi Wan and Anakin and Vader went off on an adventure together in Marvel Comics issue number blah blah blah, and you're like, "What?" You know, and nowadays it seems like people get in arm up in arms when someone says, "Well, so and so wrote this in the novel." You know, if you read Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Luke and Leia basically made out pretty hardcore. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, it's just, a, to me, it's like one of the things I love about the EU is it shows it really plays off on on kind of George's love of storytelling. And by George, I mean George Lucas. I don't know him personally, so I need to start calling him Mr. Lucas or Lucas. Um, but, you know, he loves storytelling. He loves the art of storytelling. And the earliest forms of storytelling are through these oral traditions where things might get changed around a little bit and things might get, you know, from from storyteller to storyteller to storyteller. And I just imagine on one hand, as much as Lucas probably gets tired of people asking him questions, he also loves the fact that, that there are different takes on, on the universe, you know, because that is storytelling in its purest form of, of things kind of getting changed. And and let's be real, none of this ever happened. So. What? 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fictional story. Um, so wait, I'm building this rocket to go to this galaxy far, far away for nothing. No, that do, keep that up. I I really look forward to you doing that. Um, just to see what it's like. Uh, but you know, I mean, when you've got people who've made religions out of this stuff and and who live and die by this, and listen, you're not going to find a more diehard Star Wars fan than me. Um, I love it. I, I absolutely love it and defend every bit of it to my dying breath. I get What I get tired of a lot of times more than the material that's out there are the fans and the way they. I think they embrace it sometimes too much, and it becomes their life. Um, and uh, But I just, you know... I love the fact that these Marvel comics are sitting there and no one ever, we just, everyone kind of dismisses them as, as, well, that's before they knew any better. But at the time, that was canon. That was what you, you know, that was, that was the real deal. And, and so, you know, and it morphed with each movie. The canon had to change as far as Marvel comics were concerned. Um, So that excites me that you're into those things and reading those things. Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I don't. The people that get so up in arms about, you know, friction and contradictions in the canon, I don't think they understand what they're asking. I mean, if they want absolute fidelity to the canon with no rough edges, we are going to get one book a year that three hundred people are going to have to read and study, and and I think this we wouldn't get the stories because mm-hmm. uh, it would just take so long for a project to be developed. So I love the freedom in the storytelling. And if, you know, Kessel gets its moon back, Kessel gets its moon back. Who cares? It's, I mean, it's still a star Wars story that is just meant to be enjoyed. 
uh, you know, not something to get you frustrated and uh, about over, you know, what really, really happened. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, just well, sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, even the Java thing is neat because, as we saw in the special editions, that was a cut scene, and there was just an actor standing there. Um, you know, there were, and, and Lucas didn't know how he was going to do it. He knew that he didn't want a human being. He knew that he didn't want a humanoid. He wanted something that was really alien. And so he just cut that scene all together. And in Return of the Jedi, when he had to go to Jabba's palace, you know, he decided to make Jabba a big slug. But when they were doing the Marvel comics, they were working off of scripts. Um, they didn't have any. They really they had very few visuals. They had very few uh, stills. They were using a lot of concept art. And so they just went with what they had. And... Um, you know, and they honestly, no one thought it was going to be anything. You know, Stan Lee almost turned it down. You know, as far as Marvel doing it, you know, he's like, well, we we've gotten burned by doing these adaptations before, and uh, and and so it was a thing where nobody cared if if things got a little off or a little wrong. And Marvel, those comics are really a neat look into uh, some of the things that weren't necessarily in the movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then of course, you know, with the special editions, we got to revisit that, and with the advent of the DVD and and Blu-ray and special features, uh, hopefully soon we'll be getting this ultimate Blu-ray edition. We'll see a lot of the deleted scenes uh, that you may be familiar with from movies or the novelization or uh, some of the books. I had a book, um, one of those picture books. Uh, I still have it. You know, it's made for kids, but in it, Luke's talking to Biggs on Tatooine. And I remember as a little kid looking at my sister, I'm like, who is this guy? And she's like, that's Biggs. That's the guy at the end of the movie that gets blowed up real good. I'm like, oh. So they were friends on Tatooine. She's like, yeah, that's why he says, blast it, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here. I'm like, oh, I always thought he said, pigs is fight. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what it meant. I just thought it was something spacey. And so... <laughs> exactly. And, and the big stuff is in the Marvel comics. The, yeah. the big yeah. deleted scenes, which... Um, I, I think were great scenes, and uh, it, you know when they finally meet up on Yavin, it makes sense that they're, you know, actually close. You're like, yeah. Why yeah. does he? How does he know this guy? Yeah, they uh, almost. I, I think the problem is, is the way it's written in the in the script and the original script and in the in the novel and everything. Luke actually sees the battle going on overhead, yes. and there was a cut of the movie that actually started with Luke watching the battle. And so he runs to go tell his friends, look, this is what's going on, and Biggs is there. And so you get to see them have this conversation where, they, where they're really good friends. In the audio drama, um, there's a whole conversation between those two there that's really cool. After you've seen Luke do some stuff, you know, and they, and they all talk about how Biggs is a piloting legend and that sort of thing. Um, and so it really amps up the fact that at the end, Biggs dies. You know, and it's a big deal that that Luke loses his friend that's out, or his friend out there in the Death Star trench, um, and and so you know stuff like that 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 the comics really added to, especially the the adaptations, the movie adaptations. And as you got on, as the movies were released, you can see it in the art of the comics. The characters begin to look a little more in line with what they look in the movies, and you know, and, and things kind of tighten up a little bit, particularly the character of Darth Vader and Chewie. Um, you know, those they all start to kind of mesh more with what they look like in the films. And 
and so it's you know it but I, that's cool to me i didn't realize you'd started reading those things wait darth vader's mask is not green truth 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 <laughs> did you see where hasbro on they released some toys that were the comic colors i did of the toys i, I always that. thought that was kind of neat i never picked any up but i thought it was kind of neat i'm like i don't really have anywhere for this in my collection but but it's pretty cool and nonetheless well, Jesse, the, the conversation that, that got us started, you, because you will call me every now and again, or you'll send me a text every now and again with something you're reading, um, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm immersed in, you know, I'm up to my armpits in, in A-Team or uh, some other 80s franchise that, you know, they brought back to the big screen, or and all of a sudden I'll get, draw, I'll get pulled back into what's important by you, uh, <laughs> by Tars, and... Uh, and and you sent me you you called me the other night, and and I was disturbed at your phone call because you were reading this book, uh, and it's a Star Wars novel, and and something terrible happened. I'll go ahead and let you talk about it. Yes, well, um, for all the people in Bookland, which is where I am, that get fired up about the especially the Clone Wars cartoon for assaulting. Uh, kind of what's been established in the Star Wars universe. We need to look at the books and and uh, the end of the New Jedi Order, and especially in the the Darkness trilogy, there is an assault on what uh, the Jedi are to follow. And Luke completely changes the way the Jedi follow the Force and goes against everything that the Jedi have stood for. And even goes against what the Sith have taught uh, for generations. At the end of the unifying force, uh, Luke basically declares that the force is bigger than the light side, bigger than the dark side. And um, and it's more about your intent and not the deeds that you do. And he says, anger by itself is not of the dark side. Fear, and, and that's in the unifying force, and in the... Uh, the Joiner King, uh, Dark Nest One. He says, "You know, fear." He draw Luke draws upon fear and anger uh, to draw upon the Force to get more Force into him to accomplish his goal, and says it's not a dark. This is not a dark side activity because his intentions were to save lives, and it just blew me away for all the reverence that Luke has for Yoda, and especially the reverence that he has for Obi Wan Kenobi. For him to basically say they're completely wrong about the force, uh, and he even changes the name, calls it the unifying force. That becomes a specific term. Uh, just blew me away and, and kind of surprised me because uh, what have the Jedi and Sith taught for years? I mean, Jedi, you know, there is no emotion. It's about peace. And the Sith are like, no, we use our emotion to reach freedom. And these polar opposites, and Luke says those polar opposites really don't exist, uh, which just, I mean, I about dropped my book. Uh, <laughs> I was so stunned that Luke just basically said, uh, yeah, th that's not how the Force is at all. It's it's this way, and and just goes against everything that he'd been taught, and, you know, and, you know, dare I say, it's because of a lack of training. I mean, he was with Obi-Wan for a hyperspace flight, uh, and then Obi-Wan is killed, and then he's with Yoda for a short time before his friends get in trouble on Bespin, and 
But uh, just, I mean, I think people overlook the fact that Luke has just utterly and completely changed the Force in about five pages of material uh, to something that is completely different than what Star Wars is about. And um, I just find that to be interesting. Okay, you're really calm about this. You're like, I find that to be interesting. See, it ticks me off. <laughs> uh, I get a little angry about it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, this is the Geek Out Loud crossover spectacular, the Geek Out Loud Star Wars book report crossover spectacular, and uh, and and we're getting ready. We're coming up on our time here for for the Geek Out Loud portion. Uh, it'll be continued at uh, StarWarsBookReport.com. But before we get there, because we have just a few few minutes left, I'll try to get in what I'm trying to say. Um, really quickly here's the thing And as we've said, for the continuation of this conversation, head over to StarWarsBookReport.com. Check out all that Jesse has going on over there. And that, my friends, will do it for this episode of Geek Out Loud. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. To so those of you who ordered T-shirts in the last cycle of T-shirts, um, know that they'll be coming out soon if you haven't gotten them already. Uh, they're, they're just about ready to be sent out. So thank you all so much uh, for supporting the show, uh, buying a T-shirt, and uh, pretty soon we'll have more for you to buy um, if you want to support the show that way. Um, real quick, because I said we'd do it, um, I have to draw a name, because I had said uh, at some point, of trying to drum up support for the shirts, uh, if you bought a shirt, you would be entered into a drawing to guest host an episode of Geek Out Loud with me. Now, it won't be the next episode of Geek Out Loud. It'll be the episode after next, which is um, actually episode 50. Hmm. So it may not be episode 50. Let's say you'll be on 50 or 51. How about that? Don't you love how I have, I'm prepped and ready to go? But anyhow, we'll work it out. We'll work it all out in post. That's what we'll do. We'll work it out in post. So uh, let's, without further ado... Uh, I've got all the names of the people who ordered shirts in a little basket here or a hat. It's more of a hat than a basket. I guess you could use your hat as a basket. I just have a lot of hats sitting around. So, all right. I feel like I'm on flicks right now. I'm going to draw a name, and it is Kristen Raleigh. So, Kristen, get in touch with me, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Tell me if you want to guest host the show, if you're willing to come on the show, um, and what you'd like the topic to be. So, uh, there you go. Uh, I just dodged the Twilight bullet, by the way, because Kim Jordan had threatened it'd be all Twilight. And I forget what Jesse had said that he'd make me talk about if he came on, if his name got drawn to come back on. <laughs> but, uh, again, like I say, check out Jesse's and my conversation over at uh, StarWarsBookReport.com. Um, you can find us, Geek Out Loud, at GeekOutPodcast.com is, is the home of the podcast itself and the 
and the RSS feed and that sort of thing. Uh, geekoutonline.com is my blog, which needs a severe update, always needs a severe update. You're never going to go to geekoutonline.com and say, hmm, doesn't really need to be updated. It's few and far between when it does. The last post was one about Joss Whedon. It generated a lot of discussion. I, I find out more and more how much of the minority I am in when it comes to the world of television, movies, and that sort of thing. Every day I find out more and more how much most people disagree with me. But you know what? I'm fine with that. Because what we've got to learn to do is disagree and get along. And that is one to grow on. So... Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, join our Facebook page if you haven't already. Facebook.com forward slash geek out loud. It's all one word. Um, and get some discussion generated over there. Every now and again, I'll post, tell you what's been posted on Geek Out Online. I'll tell you when a new podcast is coming out. Uh, there's a discussion thread of topics you'd like to hear me talk about continuing uh, from the old forums and that sort of thing. So that's kind of our place to interact uh, more than anywhere else. Facebook.com forward slash geek out loud. If you're not on Facebook, just shoot me an email, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, next episode is going to be a little bit more Star Wars talk. I, you know, for those of you who just hate Star Wars or are tired of hearing me talk about it, I apologize. But we're going to have some guests on, hopefully, as uh, we do my personal Star Wars Celebration 5 wrap-up. So um, we'll have some audio clips uh, from some panels. We'll have some. Uh, we'll have my quest um do not stink at a convention we'll have uh hopefully some members of the 501st on all kinds of good things so tune in next time on this your safe place to keep going we'll see you guys